everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas, with Jonathan. And we have some very interesting topics to talk about today. And before we just re- we are recording Sunday night directly after the Sixers Pacers game. We're gonna first touch on the previous game against the Pistons and the playing tournament, but and then we'll get to that game. But there's a lot to talk about since our last podcast. Right, Jonathan? Yeah, I know I know you and I are Jones to talk about that game that we just saw. Incredible. But we do have to touch on the uh, Pistons game first. Absolutely. So let's go ahead to that. That was a play-in tournament game. We were on the road. Uh, first off, what did you think about the court, the Pistons playing tournament court? Did you like it? I mean, it's better than some. Uh, it's not too like... You don't like the play-in tournament courts, do you? No, I do. I actually do. But I think the first one I saw was like OKC versus Golden State. And it was like painful to look at because it was just like bright smurf blue (laughs) smurf blue (laughs) no look i think some of them are hits like i like the sixers the pistons i thought worked because it's in their color scheme you have i think it has to be colors within the color scheme like the best one i've seen yet is the celtics one like i don't know if you've seen the celtics one but the celtics one is green or is it gray so it's green on the sides and then in the middle it's just plain court all right like, that makes sense. And then there are statement jerseys, which I think these are courts are loosely based off of, uh, work too. So, like, you know, I, I think the NBA still has to do some tweaking with this, but, like, I, I do like the concept. Uh, that be, I think I, If I have to grade the Pistons, I give it, like, a B. Like, it's solid. Not anything spectacular. I like the Heats the best, though. Or second best is the Heats. Um, that being said... The Sixers won 114 to 106. Uh, Pistons led at halftime here. That was a little concerning. Uh, the Sixers did not show up in the first half. So nobody was injured in this game. Let me ask you, what was the good in this game? Um, yeah, the second half, right? The first half, I, I mean, I think they were only up by like eight at halftime. But that there was halftime leads that were easily double digits, and it was concerning. I, I thought they were going to lose, and especially in the in these tournaments, you get like four, maybe five. Uh, you get four games. Yeah, so play, that's it. you can't lose the first one. So this was huge that they made the comeback in the second half. That was just what I like to see. Uh, no, like specifically, I mean, Embiid obviously going to the taking nineteen free throws is what we need. We need him to be in the post, getting fouled, like stops the game, gets a rest. I think that that's where like him going to the line that much helps us out a ton. So Embiid really showed up specifically in the second half. How about you? I like that there was a revenge factor for Tobias Harris, who's formerly of the Pistons. Um, He came out with 24 points on 15 shots. Pretty efficient there. And then, of course, Tyrese Maxey with the double-double, 29 points, 11 rebounds, five – no, six rebounds, and a block. And we'll talk more about his blocks later, for sure. Uh, But besides that, I mean, wasn't a great game for – Kelly Oubre or DeAnthony Melton. I guess that would be the bad, but what about you? What is the bad for you in this game besides the yeah, first half? I mean, yeah, initially I was thinking Melton, but he, like his offensive game was struggling. Three for nine, two for six from three, but he played good defense. Oh, three absolutely. steals, one block. He was a plus 15, second best on the team. Like he definitely made his presence known in ways, I guess, that aren't always shown. He wasn't up the, the second team. best. He was the best plus minus on the team, actually. I thought oh, no, Max you're was, right. No, 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 Maxie, you're right. Sorry, I missed yeah, that. Yeah, but but all in all, like I I thought that his play on the offensive end is has left us wanting for a lot early on in the season, but we don't necessarily need it because Tobias, like the one word that continues to describe him, is efficient, and Maxie and Embiid are just putting up stats. So pretty excited, pretty happy with uh, like Melton can bring what he brings on defense, and and that's probably all we need. But we'd like to see him knock down a few more shots. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um. Like I said, I think Kelly Oubre and, uh, you know, Melton's offensive games were the negative here. The bench was a non-factor in this game. Yeah. They they had what? They had 10 points? 10, yeah. Not good enough. Yeah, some in, like, garbage time. Yeah, so, you know, Marcus Morris, I don't think we can play him. I think he's just a contract at this point. I, I think that Marcus Morris is is past his prime year and he's becoming unplayable, especially in our system. There's a lot, there's a lot, unless you're Joel Embiid, there's not a lot of ISO 
and he tried. There was a couple times he tried to ISO and just didn't look pretty. So no, no, thank you, Marcus Morris. No more minutes for you. Yeah. Um, I do want to shout out to the to the Pistons because they got a they got a fun young team. That Thompson kid, he's going. He already has everything defensively and IQ wise. He just needs to get his shot in order. If he can get his shot in order, oh my gosh, this kid's going to be dangerous. Yeah, Chris loves him. I, I mean, I love him, too, after seeing him. I mean, he still had, like, he had 12. Like, who who's hears of a 6'6 guard averaging over double digits rebounds? Yeah. Uh, yeah. A wing. Not a guard. He's a wing. But still, like, that's pretty darn impressive. And I'm pretty sure he's averaging close to double-digit rebounds for the season, if not double digits. Uh, three blocks for him, too. I don't like their starting lineup. I don't. Nah. I think Isaiah Stewart needs to be coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean they're they're backup. convinced with playing two centers. Yeah, I I they don't need to do that. They really don't. Uh, Killian Hayes starting to find his his niche a little bit. I'm happy for him. Took him long enough. He needed a head coach. He needed a good yeah. head coach, and he got that. And I'm not trying to poo poo on Dwayne Casey because you know what he had his day, but he was past his prime. Monty Williams is still a good coach. It seems like he's able to reach. Killian a lot better than Dwayne was. So good. I like Killian. They have some nice pieces. I think they need to figure out which young pieces are keepers and which ones you can trade. But I do like their young core. They were missing quite a a few players in this game, too. Yeah. Bogdanovich. um, Who else am I missing here? Uh, uh, Ivy. um, Is Burks Burks. No, Burks is out, too. I was just adding on names to the list. Yeah, Yeah, they they were missing quite a few players. Um, Player of the game for you in this game. Yeah, for me, it's Embiid. I mean, he went 33 and 16. Uh, He only had three assists, which I know we say only, but he's averaging six per game this year. So that's crazy. But I think that it's clear that even with two centers in your starting lineup, they can't guard Embiid. And he was just dominant. And that's that's kind of what you see with the foul shots. If you're taking 19 foul shots, it's they just don't want you to beat him at the rim and they can't contain you. So mine was Embiid. How about you? Yeah, and uh, just to point out how dominant Embiid is, like Jalen Duran, I've heard NBA players like Paul George call him baby Dwight just based off how strong he is. He only played 23 minutes. It wasn't like he had foul trouble because he didn't. Um, he just – he was – he couldn't keep up, I guess. I don't think he got injured. Anyway. Uh, this is a tough one for me because, you know, nobody really, I'll say Embiid as well, just because, you know, seven offensive rebounds, that definitely makes a difference there. Yeah. So anyway. All right, let's switch it up to tonight. This was a fun game. As Lucas said, we are recording right after the Pacers game, which just a quick side note before we jump in, the Pacers are leading the league with 126 points per game. And I think that I'm not, we're not sponsoring any betting but i'm just saying i'm pretty sure the over has hit in almost every single one of their games they are blowing the roof off on offense uh so yeah we won 137 126 again they score points but they let up a lot of points mm-hmm. i'll just let you get to the injury report kelly Oubre. we're going to touch on that in a minute but i'm just going to let you go first with the good because i think we both agree here tyrese maxi went yeah. to indiana technically this was in philly but let me just cook here for a minute he went to the Indiana Pacers bench and he asked for a 50 piece chicken wing dinner, like as per- Kendrick Perkins of ESPN <laughs> likes to say. And he got it. He shot, he made, attempted 32 shots and made 20 of them. Seven <laughs> of 11 from three point line and only made, and only attempted and made three foul shots. He had seven rebounds, including three offensive rebounds, five assists. And probably just as impressive as the scoring here, three block shots. Yes. Three block shots. Let me, we didn't break a, a side part for Maxi here in our agenda. So let me just go on a, uh, a tangent here for a minute. I'm going to make it say right now, and Tim Bontens tweeted it out earlier. There's no question that Tyrese Maxey's an all-star this season. As long as he yeah. keeps up this level of play, there, there's no question about it, right? Yeah. The question is, is he an all-NBA point guard? My argument is, I think he is because I think, I think the argument can be made here, he is the best point guard in the Eastern Conference. 
He's the best point guard in the Eastern Conference. Just hear me out. Before this game, before this game, before today, he was averaging. He He's the outside of Luka Doncic and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's averaging the most points for a point guard in the NBA. I, dude, I, I'll, I will and, let you have this and, take. And hear, hear me out. Before this game, and let me make sure I have the stats right, because I just wrote something. I, I wrote something yesterday, so I'm pretty sure I got the stats right. He's averaging seven and a half assists before this game and only one turnover. By the way, in this game, he had two turnovers. Two turnovers. So. Every stat you're saying is impressive. Like, and I think before this game, he was averaging about, hang on, let me, let's see if ESPN's updated the stats yet. I don't know if they have. They haven't. Okay. So before this game, he was averaging essentially 25.9, so 26 points, five and essentially five and a half rebounds, seven and a half assists, while shooting 48% from the field. 48% for guard. Yeah. That t- attempts uh, attempts seven and a half three pointers per game, and shooting thirty nine percent from the three point line. It, if it wasn't for his three point percent, he is close to a 50-40-90 season, because he's already shooting forty ninety two percent from the foul line. So, and like I said, go before. So if we go to the stats here, go to league stats here. I'm pulling them up as we go. I'm sorry if this is taking a second, but I got. I got to say this. I got to say this. So in terms of pure point guards, if we're going with the position labeled as point guard in the NBA for teams, Tyrese Maxey, the only point guards ahead of him, as I said, was Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Oh, Steph Curry, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Luka Doncic. My bad. So there's three. Three guys that play point guard that score more than him, and they're all in the Western Conference. Yep. And in terms of assist, if we go by that standard of point guard too, right? Let's go by that. Tyrese Maxey is tied for eighth among active uh, players in assists. All of, ahead of him are, of course, point guards. So that was before this game. He might drop a spot or two after this game, but it does not matter here. My point still stands. And turnovers. Like, of all the players ahead of him in terms of assists per game and to turnovers, Chris Paul is the only one ahead of him, and he's tied with Chris Paul with in assists and turnovers, and Chris Paul's coming off the bench. So, Chris Paul is the quote-unquote point god. Everybody else is averaging more turnovers than Maxi's. Maxi already has four double-doubles. If we go by that... The only point guards that have more, so he's tied with the following point guards in double-doubles, okay? So, he's tied with Dennis Schroeder, Drew Holiday for point guards double-doubles. The only point guards that have more double-doubles than him is Trey Young, Luka Doncic, Tyrese Halliburton. So, my point stands here. Tyrese Maxey, you can argue, is the best point guard in the Eastern Conference. What do you have to say to that? I mean, when you're reading off those stats, yeah, absolutely. He is. I mean, the assist to turnover thing is great. The way you point out that he's only behind Chris Paul. I mean, yeah. He's Chris tied Paul with is, Chris Paul with assist. Yeah, and Chris turnover. Paul is like always in that, that plays that way of like very careful with the ball. That's why people do call him the point god. So look, the way he's been playing is incredible. You might be right. Before we got on the podcast, you said all NBA. I wasn't lit, like I, I hadn't thought through all the stats. I was like, you know what? Maybe that makes sense. Like 100% agree that he's an all star. But you're right. I mean, at this point, he's playing all NBA level point guard, and he is the best in the Eastern Conference. I, I don't see another player like that. I mean, well, let, let's just go through the point guards in the East real quick. And I'm not trying to take up this whole entire segment with Tyrese Maxey because we definitely got to talk about Joel too in this game. But um, let's go through the Eastern Conference point guards, the ones that could quote unquote challenge. Let's let's go through the list real quick. Is he better than I'll say the name, you say better or worse? Okay. We'll start with the our division. Okay. So we go with the Boston Celtics. Drew Holiday, better or worse? Better. Uh Dennis Schroeder, better or worse? Better. Jalen Bronson, better or worse? Better. Uh Spencer Dinwiddie, better or worse? Better. Okay. You sure you don't want to say Ben Simmons? He's out right now with injury. <laughs> and he's like a point forward for them. Anyway, yeah, point center actually right now with uh, Nick Claxton being out. 
but he's out too. So, you know, anyway, not the point. So let's go to the South, uh, Southeast edition, right? Is he better than Tyus Jones? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mellow ball. Yes. Um, Trey Young. Yeah. That's a tough one, but I'm going to say yes, because Trey's not efficient and does not play defense. Um, Cal Lowry. Yes. Markel Fultz. Yes. So the the Southeast Division is out. So then we're going to go to the Central, right? Tyrese Halliburton. Yes, but close. Close, yeah. Okay. What about uh, Darius Garland? Yes. Yes, but close, right? And then we go to Chicago. Whoever, I, who is that right now? Is that Caruso? Caruso. Okay. So is he yeah. better than Caruso? Yeah. Okay. So he's better than Caruso. Is he better than uh, Cade Cunningham? Yes. Yes, but although it's close. I do like Cade Cunningham. Yeah, Cade just needs to get better defensively. Right. So. Yeah. And then is he better than Damian Lillard? At the moment, yes, but I don't know about overall. I mean. I Dame right now, let's see his stats. Hang on. Dame is averaging 24 points on 40% shooting from the field, 29% shooting from the three-point line. No, He's like, yeah, through averaging... nine, nine games, he is playing better than Damian Lillard. Okay, Is yeah. he a better player than Damian Lillard? Probably it's, not. Probably not. But you know what? Dame is also in his mid-30s now. So. Yeah. And adjusting to a new team. Maybe he'll turn it around. Maybe he won't. But as of the moment, right? So in this yeah. moment, and round nine to ten games into the regular season, Tyrese Max, he's the best point guard in the East. And arguably a top five point guard in the NBA overall, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm glad that we're on the same page there. Now we can go back to the Joel Embiid part portion of the the programming. Sorry. Sorry. I had to make that point because it was a it's a good point to make. And I know no. that oh, – sorry, go ahead. It is. I mean, I even just want to, like, add a quick quick plug on Maxi because I, I wasn't saying anything about this yet. Look, the fact that he got 50 on – with three foul shots. Three. three. He was shooting it from the field, being efficient. That's incredible. He had 47 points Absolutely. in the field. That's huge. And just, like, what you said, everything, like, the standouts to me, that block on Buddy Heald, he got up, like, 11 feet. And like pinned that thing on the back. Tyrese has taken his defense to a whole new level. The defense is probably probably one of the more impressive jumps in his game because we knew that we saw the potential offensively. Defensively, he was known as a liability the first couple years, right? He was. Yeah. yeah, And and the last thing I'll say is that for Maxi at least that uh, 50th point he came off a screen, did a huge step back. He was like 35 feet. He drilled it. Knocked down, and then the best part of it, like, I don't know why they did this. Right when he made it, they just zoomed in on TJ McConnell on the bench. I have no idea yeah. why. And I thought that was incredible. I was like, he looked so upset, so depressed. He's not playing much at all. I think he's played 13 minutes the he entire year. Seven, seven, 17 in this game. He's actually getting decent rotation minutes right now. But he probably... I, I think before today, he played 13 minutes the whole year. Wow. But I don't know. But that that was hilarious. So yeah, we so, we could harp, and we probably should add a separate separate segment for Maxi. But dude, that he was balling. He, he by, was in like a heater mode. And by the way, Ty- Tyrese Halliburton is one of the guards challenging Maxi for this top one of the top point guards in the East. He had a fantastic game too. He had twenty five and seventeen on nine of fourteen shooting, three of six from downtown, no turnovers. Absolutely dominant game by Tyrese Halliburton, but they don't play defense for the Pacers, so it didn't matter. Um, yeah, and then you wanted to say a little about Embiid. I'll say before tonight, their average, their highest point together, Maxi and Embiid, was 77, I think, against the mm-hmm. Jazz, maybe? I, think I, co- I don't remember. But they put up 87 tonight, and yeah, Embiid, 37 points, 13 boards, 14 free throws. Again, they don't have anyone who guard them. I will say Miles Turner has stepped his game up this year to a level I did not know that he could play at. Like he's playing super consistently well, but he can't guard Embiid. And, and no, yeah, he's Embiid not strong was, enough. Embiid on any other night, Embiid is the the A story on this in this game. Yeah, so. and you forget to mention that he had seven assists in this game too. He's back. He's back. And and Tobias was not the most efficient. Nine of twenty on for eighteen points. Nine rebounds, four assists. But uh, you look, I the bench. Okay, so you want to talk about the bad? 
Yeah, let's talk about the bad here now. All okay. right. So, oh, before we get into the bad, uh, Melton was a good 10 points, four rebounds, six assists. Good for him on decent shooting. Uh, the bad, yeah, dude, look, um, Tobias wasn't great. Uh, Nicholas Batum, shout out to him. He was great. Um, I just didn't love him starting. I like him starting. What's that's look? Fair. You don't you don't need you just need somebody that's willing to shoot that can shoot and can defend. He did all those okay. things. That's all you need him to do in yeah. the starting five. Because if you have too many mouths to feed on offense, then 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 it becomes a problem. And you know we we'll talk about Kelly Oubre here in a minute. But like the bench sorely needs somebody that can score off the bench consistently. Corkmaz only got five minutes. Pat Bev had three points. Paul Reed had four. Daniel House, House had four, and Robert Covington had two. Uh, they need more offense off the bench. That's that's the, the that's the issue, and I don't think Marcus Morris has it anymore, so we can't rely on him. So when Kelly Oubre gets back, I, I think keep Batum in the starting five, have Kelly be the spark plug off the bench. Yeah, well, so, yeah, I agree with you. The bad is the bench. They went uh, five for 15 from the field. That's awful, and, yeah. I mean— Four of them played more than 15 minutes. You just can't have that. So looked super thin at bench, which, I mean, that was what people were saying. We were a lot deeper, but I mean, it does not seem that way. So, and the other thing is, I know I, I said it before, every, like the Pacers are dominating and, and they're leading the league in, in points scored. And, and that's the kind of game they're playing. The Sixers cannot get into that game. You got to play your own game. Just this constant running back and forth. Like we won. Yes, we won by 11 points. But at the end of the day, I just don't think you can be, like you're letting up 126 points because you're playing their style of play. A win is a win, but I, I don't think I, I did not really like that. Uh, and I'm guessing you and I both have the same player of the game. I feel like there's only one. Yeah, it's Tyrese Max. Absolutely. It has to be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that being said, let's go ahead and talk now about Kelly Oubre. For those that did not uh, have their phones on them Friday, Saturday night, um, Kelly Oubre got into an accident near his home in central in downtown Philly. Um, hit and run accident. He went to the hospital, uh, left with broken ribs, was able to leave on his own power. He's home now. Uh, it should be mentioned that Sixers officials, including uh, Daryl Morey, were at the hospital with him. Um, he will be re- reevaluated in the week, though. It is does seem as if they expect him to miss some time with these, uh, you know, broken ribs. So what are your initial reactions to, to hearing this? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. I, I like in a little bit of like a like serious. We obviously thoughts and prayers out to Kelly Oubre. Hopefully mm-hmm. he gets better. And a hit and run is just awful in like more of like the the jest side of this. Like, how do you got to feel if you're in Philly, you live in Philly, you imagine and you like do you hit a Sixers player like that's just what are you doing? Like we clearly can't the person's not in the right state of mind if they flee the scene. You can't be having that. And And yeah, so. All in all, we really hope that he's okay. Uh, left with broken ribs, as you said. We're glad he can walk off with his own power, and it doesn't sound like it's going to be too serious of an injury. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just shocking. Like, to get that notification at, like, 10 o'clock last night just saying, like, Kelly Oubre has been struck by a car. It's jarring and alarming, mm-hmm. and and hopefully all goes well for him. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad it's not as bad as the initial reports kind of seem, made it seem. So what were your yeah. thoughts? Look, um, so I'm a father. You know, whenever like bad news happens to a man who's a father, uh, you know, I always think of that aspect first and that his kids almost lost a dad. Their dad. And that's yeah. like he could have died. Let's be clear. He he got out of this relatively well, all things considered. This could have been so much more worse for him. And he, he came out of this, you know, like I said, broken ribs are not nothing to scoff at, but. He came out with his life and r- relatively intact. He like, you know, he he's going to be fine in the long term. Um, we'll say this. There should be nothing that scares him going into the paint now. <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, not going to joke it hard. Like, you know, I yeah. feel that. You know, I'm just thankful that he's OK. I'm thankful that their kid, his kids did not lose their father. I, I didn't really think too much of the a- basketball aspect of this besides the beyond the initial thought of if it ain't one thing with the Sixers, right? But no, yeah, yeah. It, but in all seriousness, you know, I could not imagine if if something happened to me, what what you know, 
what it would do to my daughter. So I, I'm very happy that he is okay. Yeah, I mean, just you take one a step back and you, yeah, you take a step back and you think about them from a personal perspective, which is we really don't do that with athletes a lot, and and it's understandable. I mean, we see them play sports, and that's kind of as like unless you're deep into the media, you're not too concerned really in general if you're a fan about their personal life. So when you see them as a person, it, it's definitely tough, uh, or it's definitely makes you just realize that you're more focused on them as being an athlete the majority of the time. So yeah, I mean, we're glad everything's going to be okay. Absolutely. Um, that being said, he, I, I had a friend who I talked to this morning. He, uh, he broke his ribs once and he was out for roughly about six weeks. So that would put the Sixers in January until he comes back. If that's the timeline that is actually projected, they said he will be reevaluated in a week. I don't expect him back until at least January. I think that would be the safe bet or maybe end of December. Um, so what do you think the Sixers rotation should be now moving forward? Yeah, I will say, I mean, you made a good point. You just need someone who's not afraid to shoot, who can bring like little spacing to the lineup. That's that's the main key that you want. So I think you're right in that Batum fits that mold. I just mm-hmm. assumed initially that Roko was going to slide into that role, and that's who I would have played. Roko's uh, not consistent enough with his three-pointer anymore, man. Yeah. That's no, And, and right. he's not as good of a playmaker. No, I mean, he's the, he's a defensive player. And yeah. yeah, and you're right. Stepping in for Oubre, who's an offensive player, maybe you want more offense. That's probably what this team needs. So you you might convince me that Batum is the way to go. I, I'm guessing that's kind of what you think the rotation should look uh, like. I, I mean, yeah, as a starting five, I, I think the bench rotation for tonight was not the correct one. But yeah, I think for the starting five, I think Batum has to be that. Look, he's always been known as a glue guy. He always can connect the dots. High IQ, good defensive player. Not elite, but good defensive player. I mean, he had three blocks tonight. Can hit open three-pointers. That's all you need from him. I mean, think about it. Think about it like this. Like, slightly less, uh, not nearly as good defensively as PJ, but, you know, good enough. Can act, will actually shoot and hit open three-pointers, and will pass the ball. That's all you need. And I'm okay with Batum doing that. That being, I mean, I was even thinking about putting Kelly back on the bench before this this uh, accident happened. So I'm okay with Batum in the starting five. Uh, that being said, for the bench rotation, so this game we saw coming off the bench. Let me pull back up here. So we saw coming off the bench, we had Robert Covington, Daniel House, Paul Reed, Patrick Beverly getting the primary minutes with a little bit of cork moss sprinkled in, right? Yeah. I don't think that should be the case. I, I do think Covington, Reed, and Beverly need to stay in there. I like their defensive tenacity coming off the bench. Daniel House is not it, though. I think he should be the one that gets five minutes per game. If I'm so, if if I'm Nick Nurse, this is the time that you try and see what Jaden Springer actually has. He, I, I don't disagree at all. I think this is the time you see can Jaden Springer actually be a contributor on this team? Because here's the thing. When we get the chance to trade again in January after the trade restriction, you know, lifts on these players, a lot of teams are going to be calling about Jaden Springer. Do we give him up or do we keep him? I think you have to play him right now to see if that's the answer. And I think his offensive game is just as good as House's, and I think he's a better defensive player. He's a little bit shorter. I'm on on your side. And I know Nick Nurse likes his wings, his long, lanky wings, but Daniel House at the shooting guard position is not the answer here. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you, man. I, I think that it's going to make – it's going to stretch our bench, and we got to see what we have. So I think Springer should get some time. This is his, what, third or fourth year? we got to give him some time. This is third, some third year, yep. Now, it's now or never because that fourth year option is coming up, and then that fifth year option is coming up. you got to make yeah. a choice. So I, I think now's the time to play Jaden Springer, and I will uh, see if I can buy some stock from Chris on the Springer Island. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's switch it up. So coming into December, going into next year, you know we're coming into movie award season. Uh, we may have a new award nominee for best Oscar video. Absolutely. <laughs> phenom- one of the most phenomenal videos I've seen in a while, and if you have not seen it, let me tell you, it is by Brian Damaris. He is the announcer for the Dallas Mavericks of Valley Sports Southwest. He absolutely roasted James Harden. We're just going to give you a little clip of what he said, but I highly, highly cannot encourage you enough to please go and Google this. The entire video is amazing. He sets himself up with intro music that is just phenomenal to be behind. Honestly, one of the top tier videos I've ever seen. 
So what he said about Harden specifically, a quick little bit of a quote, because this was like a two or three minute video. But he said, they traded Ben Simmons for you. How did they pull that off? And you know what? You went there. You got a partner who got the MVP. He won the MVP. And what did you say afterwards? You said they didn't hand me the reins. You're the point guard. You're holding the reins. And what did you do when you had the reins? You scored nine points in game seven against Boston. You blew a 3-2 series lead. If this doesn't work this year in the system with this team, talking about the Clippers, then you're going to go and point fingers at everyone else. You're going to go back home and you're going to start swiping right for another team. And there's not going to be anybody left because James Harden, you're not the beard. You're not the system. You're the problem. Ooh. Ooh. Unreal, man. And and the, just early on, I think how he started it was I have been looking for someone my, in my entire life to support me and be like a partner to me the way Daryl Morey is to you. It was just an absolute yeah, 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 yeah. great intro. He was like setting it up. I was like, what's he going to say? But that closing line, you're not the beard. You're not the system. You're the problem. That needs to be put on a T-shirt distributed in Philly. Probably already is. Uh, yeah, so go watch that video. But Lucas, I mean, what are your thoughts? He clearly roasted him. Is he right? Yeah, he's right. Yeah. Right. Look, the Sixers, I mean, the only thing the Sixers did not give you was your money. They gave you a place where you could have aged gracefully, would have been competing for a championship where you didn't have to be the best player. So you could have aged more gracefully. They gave you the ball in your hands. They gave you a coach that would have allowed you to have the ball in your hands outside of it being in Joel's hands. And you screwed it up. With your pre-Madonna attitude. And here's the thing. I was talking to our friend Uriah this afternoon, right? Yeah. And I told him this. Tell me if I'm wrong. This gives me eerie vibes of the downfall of Allen Iverson. Because as much as we love AI in Philly, let's be clear. We love AI. The the I'm the star, I'm the system mentality is what got AI out of the NBA in a matter of like three years. Yeah. From being like an all-star level player to being out of the NBA. And I'll say this. I think he's right in terms of, you know, if it doesn't work out this year and you start complaining again, he's not going to be playing in the NBA next year. He'll be he'll he'll be in China. I don't know about that. What team's going to want him? What team is going to want this distraction? Dude, he has, at some point, he has to take a hint. Yeah, he he should be, right? But has he? No. And like I said, AI never got the hint, right? Yeah, but... I I mean, like, he talked himself. We heard it from Stephen A. Smith himself. He talked himself out of a max contract from Houston. The one team... The one franchise that loves him to death, that where he is the guy, it's either him or Hakeem as the best player of all time there. Yet he talked himself out of a max contract there because he wanted to be the guy again. Look, I, yeah, no, you're not wrong. I like, I'm all in on the the conversation you're presenting with Harden. I struggle with the downfall of AI because I don't know. I, I think there was a few factors playing in, and and I think it's a little different than what's going on right now. Uh, and also, I, I don't necessarily know that Harden has reached the heights AI has. Yeah, I mean, he was maybe at points he was. I mean, we know he was one of the best offensive threats in the NBA. But Allen Iverson carried a team on his back. He probably took the worst team in NBA history to the NBA Finals. Okay, and, okay. Counterpoint to that, James Harden. If it wasn't for the Golden State Warriors. Probably would have gotten the Rockets to the NBA Finals as well. Possibly would have won it. But like like AI, hit a dynasty. Yeah, I mean a dynasty. The only difference is what, that they like were making the to conference. the conference. He didn't even yep. make the conference finals, did he? Well, yes, he Harden did. Maybe, he made, made the make conference one? finals, yes. One, he made one. He made more than one. All right, that's, that's fine. I think the point for this, though, I think he this guy – Brian Damaris, legend, is absolutely right. And you're right that I, I just don't see him being in China. But, I mean, he – dude, the Clippers have played four games with him. I was today, like, looking at the betting lines. I was like, man, Memphis is a nine-point underdog to the Clippers, who have lost three games to the Nets, The I think the Mavs maybe. It was the Nets and the Knicks were in those three-game losses since they've gotten Harden. 
The Grizzlies are one and eight. You talk about them every week. The Clippers lost to the freaking Grizzlies today. So now they're two and eight. Yeah, the Grizzlies are two <laughs> I'm and eight. Sorry. But the, I'm but sorry. The Clippers, they lost to by four points. Dude, I don't care. I'm not, yeah, I'm not worrying about, yeah, the Grizzlies stink. That's not the point. The point is the Clippers are 0-4 with James Harden, and they lost to the Knicks, the Nets, and the Grizzlies, all teams under 500. The Grizzlies the worst in the in the NBA. I, I mean, does James, that not say all it needs to say about James okay, Harden? Okay, and by, by the way, just want to point out, James, in that game against the, the Memphis Grizzlies, he had 11 points, three assists, Four rebounds, a steal and a block, and a turnover, but shot four of 12 from the field and one of seven from the three-point line. Here's – so first off, we won the trade. Because you know how you say usually the team that gets the best player gets wins the trade? Not this time around, dude. Not this time around. Absolutely not. Secondly, if the Clippers want to save this, so I, I heard an interesting stat. Before James Harden got there, the best three-man combination in the NBA was Westbrook, Leonard, and Paul George. Right? I think if they want to save this season, James is going to have to come off the bench. Which he will never do. Or if he does, he will do so begrudgingly. So, look... Oh, and by the way, for the season, let's just pull up James's stats for the season in these four games so far. He is averaging 14, 5, and 4. 14, 5, and 4. Last season, he was averaging 21 and 11. The guy's, what, 34 years old? And let's be real. The fat suit in Houston probably contributed to him getting out of his prime. I mean, look, this might be where I disagree with you that we that the that like the team that wins the trade is the player that gets is the team that gets. The no, no, player. no. That I, that's, was you that you said no, that I'm saying. Yeah, I know. This Hold is on. The one time that that did not happen here. We no, won I the trade. I live and buy live and die by that saying. And it is true. Who who is here saying that they got that the Clippers got the best player? Ooh, well. Let's this think. might be my hot James Hard, But James Harden is still better than Nicholas Batum. He's still better than Robert Covington. He's still better than Marcus Lucas, Morris. Is or mm, It's a lot closer than what it used to be, but technically, yes, I would say so. Dude, no. We won the trade because realistically, I, and maybe it's a hot take. I'm not trying to be a hot take person. You're going to be a hot take if you're going to say what I think you're going to say. I'm not going to say it, but I'm going to teach. Like, no, no, just can, say it. Say it. Say it. Say what how you can just. you confident? How can you confidently say the Clippers got the best player in this trade? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Like, straight up. How can you tell me that the Clippers got the best player that was in this trade? You just gave his stats. He scored eleven points. Batum had nine tonight. I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying that anyone we got back is definitively better than Harden. I'm just saying, give it a minute, dude. They're zero and four. And Harden is a huge reason that they're 0-4 with him. Now, now let's they be clear. They could, they could turn this around as soon as next game. They could. Dude, this is, a, this is a dumpster fire. Like I said, I think Harden needs to come off the bench. All right. I, that, I, you're probably right. But so in regards to this guy, quick, just to get it back, do you think it was wrong for him to go on this rant? Whether it was wrong or right, I don't care. I just enjoyed it. If I'm yeah. being completely honest, was it the most professional thing to say as a commentator? <laughs> Probably not. But did I enjoy it? Oh my gosh, I enjoyed this more than getting my favorite local pizza. I enjoyed this more than uh, seeing the Sixers win a game. I enjoyed this more. I, You know what? I can't even say that because we are recording. But you look. I enjoyed this very much so. Very yeah. much so. So I I, I did so too. I, I, I did don't too. care if it was right or wrong. It was enjoyable. Yeah. It was. And I think that's that's the main point that I'm trying to make here. So Phenomenal. it doesn't matter. Go watch it. You have to go watch it. Absolutely. So that being said, Jonathan. It's the time of the NBA. podcast where we get to talk about other NBA stuff. So, your choice. What are we talking about here first? All right, I got a few. Okay. Sixers, go are the be- Sixers are the best team in the NBA. 
Yeah, we're, we're talking about non-Sixer stuff, okay? I, I just that's that's off the top. Second, Minnesota Timberwolves might be the best team in the West. Ooh, ooh, ooh! Give me the argument. Give me how are they better than teams like say the Dallas Mavericks and Denver Nuggets that have a better record, or teams like Golden State or the Lakers, tell or the Phoenix Suns when healthy, or okay. the Pelicans. Tell tell me Hold how on. they're better. Have haven't seen the Phoenix Suns when healthy. Lakers are just stumbling. The, the, okay. look, the Denver Nuggets are probably the best. I want to say that, but I'm okay. saying that the Minnesota Timberwolves could be the best. They okay. are like, and, and Dallas, just to quickly touch on them. I'm still convinced that they're going to have a dumpster fire. I don't believe. And again, I'm not trying to be a hot take person. I hate that this is coming off this way, but Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic will not both be on the team after the trade deadline. And that wow. is, Look, so are you saying that more on Kyrie? Because he's been a good teammate so far this year. Uh, yeah, yeah, he has been a good teammate. He's also been out probably half the games. The thing is, this is like Luca. This is the year that everyone going into the year was like, you got to convince Luca to stay and not ask out. Like Dallas has underperformed, underperformed. The, their number one priority, just like ours, is to keep Embiid happy. Their number one priority is to keep Luca happy. And I expect by the trade deadline that he will not be happy. And if you want to keep him, that it may in, involve getting rid of Kyrie. But they're that the second be, team in the West right now. I would say yeah. that that should keep him pretty happy. I the, let's wait a month. Okay. Uh, but that, okay. but that's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Anthony Edwards is is a superstar. Like he he's is not, the next Dwayne Wade. Let's be clear. Yes. He's the next Dwayne Wade. He's not on the verge of superstardom. Like he's a superstar, and he and I'm uh, not twenty eight compar- points, six rebounds, five assists, one and a half steals. Yeah, and I am not comparing him to any of the names I'm about to say. But okay. he is not like LeBron James. He is a killer. He has the killer instinct like Devin Booker, Kobe. Like those are the attitude that he has. When he was playing the Celtics when they were undefeated and he ended up giving them their first loss the other week, him and Tatum were dying for a loose, loose ball. He looked like he was about to scrum like back in the 80s and 90s. Like oh, he yeah. does not take anything. He is a killer. And he went out. He missed a shot at the end of the regulation. I know I talked about this on the last podcast, but he went into overtime being like, I let my team down. I'm about to put it down. So he has that attitude. I think that's what you need. And they're making it work with Rudy and Kat. So watch out for Minnesota. Uh, And the only other, I mean, I wanted to touch a little more on the Clippers, but I've said it enough. I just think that you got to keep an eye on this team. I think they're going to go down the tube. I think the addition of James Harden is way worse than they thought. Everyone was like so excited on that team. They're saying, we're going to make it work. We're going to make it work. You're 0-4. You've lost the three teams below 500 and the worst team in the league. You're not going to make it work. Uh, and not to take everything, but I, I do want one more one more quick thing. Milwaukee Bucks, dude, I don't know what's going on. We are not overreacting because it's three weeks into the season. They're 5-4. and four. They have two in tremendous superstars. Obviously, it takes some time to work around that. I am totally cognizant about that. But they have their four losses are by an average of like 14 points. When they lose, they get beat. And they are having, they are, I think three of the games Giannis and Dane played. So I'm not saying that anything is wrong. Again, I think you got to give it time, especially integrating two new superstars together. But this was not the start that we expected in Milwaukee. So let me just touch on the, uh, the Minnesota and the Milwaukee parts of what you okay. said here. So Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. When I, I watched a recent thing on The Ringer, on YouTube, right? A little podcasting on you, YouTube. I think they said with those two on the floor, they have an offensive rating of 118. That's that's solid. That's good. Yes. The offense is working. Rudy Gilbert, we thought maybe he was washed last season. No, he just needed a year to adjust. Here are the two things that I think Minnesota is missing. They need Jaden McDaniels to become more of an offensive threat. He's averaging around 10 points per game this season. He, they need him to average between... 15 and 18, right? That's number one. Number two, when they lose, it's because Mike Conley doesn't have it that night. And Mike Conley's like, what, 36? Yeah, but but you have to say that Mike Conley's veteran presence absolutely has to Oh, I'm not saying that they need to get rid of him. I I think he needs to come off the bench, and they need to upgrade the point guard position. I think you— That's fair. Maybe put Shaken. No, he's actually having a pretty bad season, if <laughs> I'm being honest. Um, but going to the to, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks now. So they took all summer, uh, Adrian Griffin, assistant coach to Nick Nurse prior to this year, 
you know, they were preparing to have Drew Holiday and have an elite defensive rotation. They tried to play the same defense style with Dame. That clearly did not work. And, like, before Dame was going to be there, the weak link on defense was going to be Malik Beasley. You can't start Malik Beasley and Dame Lillard. You have to get a defensive guy next to Dame. Whether that's Pat Connaughton or you make a trade for a guy that's a 3 and D defensive player, which I don't know how you're going to do, but you're going to have to. Like, losing Grayson Allen actually really hurts them. Like, it really hurt them. Because, you know, yeah. he's not, like, a great defender, but he can he can guard up, right? Yeah, he so, can. So, losing Grayson Allen was a big deal. Because Malik Beasley can't defend the way that they need him to in the starting five. Like, you you can have one defensive liabilities, you cannot have two mm-hmm. with that unit. Uh, and Adrian Griffin, I, I think he's a little bit lost. I, I think... Looking early on, I'm not sure if he was prepared for everything that goes into being a head coach. Now, he has plenty of time to turn that around. Let me be clear. I'm not trying to bash Adrian Griffin, but right now with this new group, he he looks a little lost, and he's trying to figure it out as they go, and I'm sure they'll get there, but right now it's a little, little questionable. Um, now, for my my things here real quick, I want to talk about this. Because I wrote about this. I don't know if you've edited it. Did you edit my article from yesterday yet? Is it out? Mm, I have not. Okay. Well, I'll give you guys a little preview. So I wrote, Maxi is a front runner for you know, most improved player of the year. You know who's also right in the mix with him? Who? Cam Thomas. He went from averaging 10 points per game last year to 27 points per game this year. Dude, that guy has the craziest green light I've ever seen. The guy, the guy has special talent. He has special talent. And, like, it's not even close. The guy, I mean, he's injured right now. He's injured. The Nets are injured right now. They're just dealing with injuries left and right. Uh, they're still the ninth seed, but, the, you know, they're dealing with injuries. Um, so that's, that's number one. Number two. Miles Bridges is coming back to the Hornets. They they got through their 10 games uh, today, their 10th game, and he was suspended for 10 Wait, what? Yeah, he was suspended. So when he got in trouble. I thought he was out of the league. Nope. He's on the – no, he signed his qualifying offer with the with the Hornets this past summer. He had to get serve a 10-game suspension. It was supposed to be 20 games, but he already served 10 of them for missing all of last season. So he had to – serve 10 games and he's going to be a integral part of the rotation according to their head coach yeah not to get too much into that but didn't more information came out that i thought he he violated his role but as of now the nba has not taken any action i think they're just waiting to see what happens there yeah that's shocking to me yeah yeah i i maybe it was not founded i haven't heard any updates on that but if he is then he's the same player he was last year they're a playing team because they're they're uh, they're what thirteenth in the West right now. I mean in the East, East, yeah. but they're only like two games out of the playing spots. So, um, yeah, that's that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Toronto, Orlando, and Atlanta being the fifth and sixth seed is certainly surprising to me. Um, I don't expect either one of those teams to last in those spots for very long. Uh, Atlanta's it, on a heater, like a four-game win streak. And kudos to Quinn Snyder, but I don't think yeah. it's going to last. So Jalen Johnson, by the way, another candidate for most improved player of the year. He went from barely being in the rotation last year to being a starter this year. Okay. Um, Alperin Shengun's another guy, most yeah. improved candidate. Franz Wagner. Uh, no, actually, stats-wise, he's essentially the same. Okay. Yeah. Um, outside of that, just uh, Sacramento is lost without the Aaron Fox, and they wasted a pick on D- Davion Mitchell because he can't even handle being the starter when he's out. Like they're still bringing him off the bench and having a rookie start in his place. So Davion Mitchell, I'm sorry, you're a bust. Shots fired. I'm. I look. I'm not trying to be mean. It's just the no, honest truth here. It is. So anyway, those are just some of my thoughts that I've gathered. But you you sounded so much more organized with yours versus mine. Um, 
It's because I'm writing about it. I'm writing about them every week. Hey, hey, hey now. now. Hey, now. Look, I have a lot going on. No, I, I mean, I, no, I, man, outside I, of the Sixers sense. Yeah, look, I, I've served my... Uh, I served my my time being the editor of the Sixer Sense. I, I I'm retired now from that. I'm not doing writing every day anymore. Can't 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 keep up with it. No, it's can't tough. Keep... I, I, yeah, I mean, I edit and write all that, and I also uh, do some uh, around the NBA on the side. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, typed in on the on what's going on. So hey, look, you you hit on some great points that especially like. The East standings, who knows what that's going to look like. So, Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jonathan, how about you go ahead and play us out? Because this episode went a lot longer than I thought it was going to. Hey, it was a good one. We had a good packed a good episode. One. Lots of information Absolutely. in here, and I'll just reiterate, as we said earlier. Thoughts and prayers to Kelly Oubre. That's how we'll uh, plug Absolutely. at the end. But as always, we appreciate you listening. We hope you enjoyed this longer episode. Lots of information coming out. The Sixers are the current, not just the number one seed. Like we said last time, they're the best team in the NBA right now. So you're listening to the best teams podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We appreciate all listeners continue to read our stuff over at the Sixer sense and listen to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, leave a re- review. We really appreciate it. And until next time, let's keep this train rolling. Go Sixers. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.